Hello, everybody. Welcome out to the Bonner Show today. As always, we have Scott Gill in-house with us over the wavelengths, actually. I love to say in-house, but he's over the wavelengths. And today we have a special guest with us, Tanner Giles. You're back on the pod. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Feeling good. It's, it's good to be back with you guys again. Thanks for having me back again. It, it's been a heavy minute. How's life going? What's, what's new in life? Anything new or just tr chugging along? Chugging along, man. It's too hot here in Utah these days, <laughs> so that's new. Um, but no, we're having a good time. Everything's good. Good. That's good to hear, man. Well, well, we've got an awesome show lined up for you. We're glad you could join in with us. Uh, let's, let's just dive in because this is a huge topic. It, it was closed last night, but it's the Bucks versus Suns in the finals. And, and we want to dive into the nitty gritty with both you and Scott. Let's, let's start off by talking about what each team did well. Scott, do you want to kind of start this off for us and, and let us know what each team did well in their previous matchups? Sure, I'd love to. I, I think I was someone that did not give the other Bucks enough credit. Um, as soon as their star, Giannis, went down um, with this knee hyperextension, I, I feel like Chris Middleton wouldn't be up to the uh, up to the task, basically, to fill in for Giannis, just because I feel like there's been so many times where he's kind of fell, fell short. He's, he's a great player. He's an all-star. But over the, the course of the last few years in the playoffs, I feel like he's he's often fell short when they've really needed him to step up. And he, he was the catalyst in game six and seven. I, I think he was really just – he caught fire in the, the, the third and fourth quarters in both of those games. Um, or I guess games five and six. He didn't even go to seven, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But I feel like Middleton was, was really special and gives them a, a chance to win, even if Giannis isn't 100% going forward. And, and as far as the Suns go, I feel like they they were very resilient. Um, it felt like the Clippers kind of ha had a chance, basically, to, to maybe make some a little bit more noise, maybe push it to seven games, even without Kawhi. But I, I feel like the Suns have a, a strong identity, and, and that's what I really like about their team. Yeah, those are those are both great points, and I definitely agree with you. And and I'll touch base on what I think after. But Tanner, let's hear what you have. What what did you think about both of these teams in the uh, conference finals matchups, and what what you think they did well? Yeah, um, no, it, they were both pretty fun series to watch. I think if I'm gonna go like number one thing, I think uh, for both teams, first starting with the uh, Suns, I just think those dudes have like a level of determination right now that's unmatched on the Western side. Like, and I think too, like one thing that I was kind of thinking about as I watched the Clippers demolish Utah and then get beat by the Suns in the next round, um, dudes like Jay Crowder and Chris Paul that have kind of that almost enforcer mentality, they both do it a little bit differently. Um, but guys that can go out there and kind of, shift the tone of a game jay crowder for example not necessarily with his gameplay but just his presence and being there i think for example like utah really misses that something that phoenix has that is an intangible that, that really helped them out and obviously chris paul with his like basketball mind um and kind of playing mini games there but their level of determination really um stood out to me as, as they were playing in that series they knew they were the better team and they just dominated because of it and then what I liked in the Bucks series, what I think they had going for them over the Hawks when it boiled down to it was experience. So they lost 
Giannis, which was huge. We all watched it. We all held our breath. We all thought, oh, no, the Hawks might bounce them. Um, but even without them, they rose to the challenge, I think, because they've been in these situations before. They've been deep into the playoffs, and they have playoff experience, and I think that came out in that series. Yeah, I definitely agree. Talking about Phoenix, I had almost the exact same thing written down as my uh, what, what the Suns did well. I said the Suns played cohesive hardball, so they were all just going out and doing everything they could to, to get the game done. And when it came down to it, they went to whoever was the hot hand uh, in each game, you know. So if Booker was feeling it, they went to Booker. If Chris Paul was feeling it, I, I can't remember what game it was, but it felt like the fourth quarter, like the last three minutes, he had like 15 points and, and really just <laughs> they, they weren't afraid to go to that hot hand. And so those were the two things I pointed out. And then the last thing that, that I had for the Bucks is they fought hard, like YouTube pointed out. They fought hard when Giannis went down. And I don't think anyone gave them the benefit of the doubt that this team could do it without Giannis. But Drew Holiday stepped up. Chris Middleton stepped up. P.J. Tucker even stepped up. Maybe not offensively, but, you know, defense. Put some respect on Brooke Lopez, Yeah, baby. Brooke Lopez, bro. <laughs> Brooke Lopez. I had him in my DraftKings, and he went off one night. I loved it. <laughs> it was awesome. So, Brooke Lopez, there was – everyone just kind of played well, even without Giannis. It was quite cool to see, so – I don't know. It was pretty awesome. So those are, those are great. Uh, you know, what those teams did well, but let's now go to a different subject and, and the opposite subject. What did these teams not do well or what should be a folk or what are, what's the biggest weakness for these teams going forward? Uh, and Tanner, we'll start with you if you want to, if you feel free joining into that. Um, I'm going to, if it's cool, I'm going to actually defer it to Scott because I need a sec to just compile my thoughts on this one That's into words. Mm, mm. You don't just have thoughts immediately just bouncing off the walls. <laughs> I like do, me. but I don't think anybody wants to hear them in their raw form. Oh, they don't want to hear mine either, but a lot of times I just have to go for it. So I'll, I'll share mine. I, I feel like the, the main weakness when I watch the Bucks is their inability to to run efficient offense especially late in the game once the defense buckles down I feel like a lot of times they rely on their two stars whether it's Giannis or Middleton to basically just drive their way past their man and create some sort of offense rather than coach coach Bud actually drawing up and creating easy op easy options for them and getting them good shots I feel like a lot of the times it just gets so messy near the end of the game to watch them. And so I feel like that'll be a, a sort of a, I guess, a, a, a point to watch in the, in the finals this year, just because I feel like Phoenix's defense is really great and has really, has really stepped up in the playoffs. Honestly, there were a lot of, a lot of times in the Clippers series where it felt like the Clippers had chances to make runs or chances to take the game over, but Phoenix was just so resilient on defense to a lot of those, those quick and athletic Clippers guards. So I feel like the Bucks will, could maybe struggle a little bit in the fourth quarter. As far as Phoenix goes, I think it'll be kind of to what um, Tanner said the Bucks' strength is. I think Phoenix lacks experience. That's pretty obvious. Outside of Chris Paul, no one has really been – anywhere deep in the playoffs on this Phoenix team that plays important minutes. Jay Crowder's played, I guess, in playoff series and stuff, but a lot of their key guys, especially Devin Booker, I don't think he'll shy away from the moment. I think Devin Booker will still be great, 
but I, but I think they still lack experience in, in important moments, which is, is always something to watch out for. And, and I'll jump in here because I had that same weakness for, for Phoenix. I had lack of experience, especially in the playoffs, as their biggest weakness. I think Jay Crowder has been in five finals, but I don't know how big of a factor he's been. He hasn't been a top three player in any of those five finals that he's appeared in. And so, you know. Five, that's wild, man. I did not realize that. I think somewhere with the Celtics, you know, he had, he had just a couple of different teams that he was playing on. I think it's five, maybe it's four or something like that. But you can fact check me on that. But outside. It says he, the Heat he's, is, his, is his main one. Oh, really? He's been to the finals with the Heat, and that was it. That was it. Oh, I thought he had been with the Celtics a couple – man. Well, he, he had played, you know, with the Celtics and gone as deep as they had gone. He'd been on the yeah. Cavaliers as well. So, he's been – he's definitely been around winning franchises for sure. Okay. He did make it to the round of 32 in, in the NCAA tournament when they beat yeah, BYU in the first – Don't forget that. First weekend. <laughs> so, he's, he's – He's seen it all, honestly. <laughs> it all. He's been there. He's had a pit play against BYU. But that lack of experience for the Suns, man, that's that's going to be killer. Chris Paul's never played in the finals. But like you said, Devin Booker won't shy away from the moment. I think DeAndre Ayton can't shy away from the moment because DeAndre Ayton's been very crucial for the Suns, uh, both offensive and defensively. So that, Agreed. that was my weakness for the Suns, so I wanted to jump in there. But my weakness for the Bucks. And maybe this was just because Giannis went down and I, I saw it as a deficiency was the depth and the lack of using their depth. So I, I think in this previous game, or maybe it was the game before, they only had three bench players come on, except Thonis or four, but uh, the other Austin Kumpo brothers. Thonis doesn't count. He's not. <laughs> like like not 30 worried. seconds of the game, you know? So they played three guys. And all these bench players played like 30 minutes, 22 minutes, 15 minutes or something like that. So the lack of depth, if Giannis can't come back quick enough, or if Giannis comes back and isn't 100%, that lack of depth is scary for me for the Bucks going forward. And Phoenix doesn't seem like they lack that depth, which, which is awesome. But, but that's my weakness for the Bucks. Mm. I like it. Tanner's yeah. on the clock now. Yeah, no, I'm going to jump in. I mean, honestly, so I have very, you know, similar thoughts to you guys. Um, I think the biggest unanswered question is um, the lack of experience for Phoenix. Um, you know, as I talked about before, we, we know the, the Bucks have been hungry for this. Um, they've been in Eastern Conference Finals before. They've gone many playoff series with pretty much their core group of guys still. Um, yeah. same coach, even all, you know, all of that stuff. So they, they, as a unit have braved a lot of things and learned a lot of things, obviously that the, the sons haven't as a unit, what's going to be interesting. I think what it's really going to come down to is what stars are going to play better. Honestly, I think whatever ones are more effective and it might sound dumb, but that's ultimately what I think is going to come down to. You've got like, um, Giannis and Middleton who, I think have a better chance of doing that because of the level of experience that they have and, and have gone through and have shown up in these moments. They know that they can do it. They've done it before. Obviously the injury is going to be something to look out for, but then on the other side, I mean, Hagen was just talking about, you know, Chris Paul's never been to a finals, which is very true, but honestly, 
I don't think that's going to affect him very much. Like, I think he's about as experienced. He has never been in the finals, but I still feel like he's about as experienced of a player in the NBA as you can get. And so that's something that I think is going to be very interesting to see when it all comes down to it. Now, Booker's a different story. Um, he's really young. He's never been here before. He's a generational talent, which is just another thing to think about as we go into it. Because I, I want to say, I don't know how he's going to do, but at the end of the day, like these, these guys often surprise us. Look at Trey Young, for example, right, in the series that we just watched. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's what's fun because there's so much stuff going there's there's these proven guys and then there's these guys that aren't but are insane i don't know so that's what i'm really excited about but i think experience at the end of the day as we saw in the eastern conference finals i think at some point it's got to play some somewhat of a role in the series and i think that obviously goes in milwaukee's favor yeah i definitely agree that like you said chris paul's even though he hasn't been to a finals, that experience that he has and his, it, the professional athlete that he's been throughout his career and what he's gone through, I think that will, that can count as experience, even though it may not be finals experience. He is very well experienced across his NBA career. So that, I don't know. It's, it's exciting to see. There's, there's plenty more to talk about. I, I have another question for you guys here. Um, and, and I can start and then we can go to Scott and then Tanner. Um, but what's your biggest focal point for each of these teams? Or what's this, uh, your biggest focus point, I guess I should say, for each of these teams in this series? And, and I'll start with the Bucks. And for me, it's Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And I think they both need to play like twos on a team. And, and what I mean by that is they both need to play as the second best player on, on the team in order to advance. So Chris Middleton, when he's not going off and when he's not having a great night, Drew Holiday needs to be the one to step up. And I know he's an amazing defensive player and that can be tiring, but he has to be the one to step up when Chris Middleton's having that off night because it will happen. So Drew Holiday needs to be able to step up and take that place of Chris Middleton and Chris Middleton vice versa. When Drew Holiday's not feeling it, he's got to be able to step up and help out Giannis in any way that he can. For the Suns, I put something that Scott alluded to earlier, and they have played awesome defense throughout this playoffs against guards, especially, especially against the Clippers' quick pace guards and everything that they had. And I put lockdown defense from the Bucks guards, or on the Bucks guards, excuse me, um, from the Suns. And if they're able to slow down those guards, I think that Phoenix has this in the bag, man. It's if they're able to slow down either Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton, whichever one is feeling it that game, the, the Suns have a huge shot at winning this, in my opinion. I like it. I feel like I will pretty much just rephrase everything you said in my own way, so I won't take too long. But I, I feel like for the Bucks, it's essentially what can everybody do outside of Giannis if Giannis is healthy? And, and by the way, just I wanted to pose a question. Do we know – are there any reports officially on when he'll be able to play? He's probably not going to be ready for game one, I'm assuming, correct? I haven't. I, Is that I, up in the air? Into injury stuff, but I haven't really delved into this one yet. What it's, I know is what I've seen from social media of a guy at a wings place that talked to P.J. Tucker, <laughs> and P.J. Tucker <laughs> told him that Giannis won't play until game seven at the earliest. 
That's all I know. Game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. That's where I get my – that's my source. What was the what was the wing place? We need to know what that's it, where it, we'll know whether it's reliable. It wasn't or not. Magic City Wings or whatever from uh, okay, Florida. Good. good, it wasn't Lou Williams' wings. But place. I saw you the picture of it. the guy with the bag of wings and PJ Tucker, so I think it's I think it's real. It looks reliable. Okay, I mean it. It's literally absurd to me that he's even going to be able to play after you watch the video of his injury. Like watching that live, it literally looked like he, it was just like, well. The Bucks are just screwed again, and they're just going to roll over and and um, kind of flame out in the playoffs again, unfortunately. And I, I feel like, for me, their their emphasis is, like you said, it comes down to Drew Holiday, comes down to Middleton. But I, I feel like, as well, it comes down to they, they need, like, 10 to 15 points a night from one of Bryn Forbes or Pat Connaughton or, or one of those other guys to actually at least give you something outside of that big three because – there's there's a lot to, to be left. Uh, there's a lot left to be desired from those guys. And I feel like for the Suns, the matchup of DeAndre Ayton versus Brooke Lopez, I feel like if Ayton can dominate that matchup, both on offense and defense, um, I feel like the Suns will be in a, in a really good spot, um, especially if Ayton can, can protect the rim um, the way that they need him to. That's a great point. That I – I think one thing to think about that is Brooke Lopez is a pretty good three-point shooter. So that will be awesome seeing Aiton be able to go out on that perimeter and see what he'll be able to do on Brooke Lopez. That's, that's an awesome point. And, and Brooke Lopez moves in molasses, yet somehow is still able to, to score and create his own shots. But I think Aiton will be athletic enough to, to keep up with the 0.2 miles per hour that Lopez moves at. I feel like he'll be able to be quick enough and move his feet and jump when he needs to, but you never know. Brooke Lopez, all-time, all-time leading Nets scorer ever. So he's got some. He's got some things in his bag. He might be able to do it. He might be able to do it. Well, Tan, what what about you? What do you have to say here? Yeah, I think um, I think you guys both hit it on the head with the Bucks that they need to find people that consistent can produce outside of. Uh, of Giannis primarily, obviously, whether that's Middleton and, and Holiday stepping up. I think to Scott, I think Scott's point is really strong as well, that even outside of those two guys, they still need regular help that they can count on from guys below them, like, like a Pat Connaughton and stuff like that. Um, so I think if they can kind of figure out, like, hey, guys, like, yeah, Giannis is great and everything, but, like, if we're going to win this finals, it's going to take all of us. We can't just ride this one or two or three guys. It's got to come from everybody. I think that's that's where the focus is there uh, for that side. So I think you guys already already talked about that and hit that great. On the on Phoenix's side, however, and I agree with your points. I think they're great. But if I'm Phoenix, I'm doing anything that I can. I'm throwing everything at Giannis and forcing these other guys to do on Milwaukee exactly what you two have talked about. That's at least how I'm going into this series and starting it out. Um, throw everything you have at Giannis. Try to take him as much out of the game as you possibly can and open up opportunities for those Milwaukee guys and see if they deliver. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I, I completely love that. And Scott actually has a theory that I, I think you want to talk about this, Scott. So now's a perfect time to bring it up. We all talked about Giannis and his health and the team. Why don't you bring up this theory and let the listeners know about it a little bit? I mean, I wish I could take credit for this just brilliant theory, but um, it's a theory I'm, I, I, I know I've talked with you both about in, in past um, 
past times we've hung out and talked sports together, but it's called the Ewing theory and it, it's created or essentially like brought to light by Bill Simmons. And he talked about how when the Knicks were in, in the finals, I believe it was in like 1999, they had Patrick Ewing go down just before that. Um, and they, they pretty much played much better when they did not have Patrick Ewing. And it went all the way back to when Patrick Ewing was at Georgetown, when Patrick Ewing would sit out, the rest of the team would kind of, kind of play better essentially and somehow it seemed to pick up more of the load that was left um, in his stead and so I, I posed that question to Hagen I was like is, are we going to see a Ewing theory sort of situation happen here if Giannis isn't fully ready to go I, I don't know if that will happen now since it seems like Giannis actually will play but after that first game Giannis didn't play and was sitting out the Bucks totally just like wiped him out and it looked it looked like they were in total control the whole time. It looked like they were clicking on all cylinders. So I don't know. I don't know what you guys feel. If you guys feel like, if Giannis wasn't, if he's not going to be a part of the series, do you feel like that is an actual thing? I mean, there's there's definitely like something to be said for the rest of the guys rising to the occasion. But I I, I personally feel like there's going to be too big of a hole for the Bucks to be able to compensate for. I. I'm a firm believer in the anti-Patrick Ewing theory. I watched, <laughs> I watched Tom Brady too many times in my life to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a Patrick Ewing theory guy because Tom Brady left the Patriots and they looked pretty horrible. So that's what I compare everything to. But like, I, Patrick I, Ewing's not the GOAT, though. So, I mean, it's that, tough, to, tough to compare. That's the thing. I have this horrible, incomprehensible comparison because I compare it to just one guy. And so <laughs> it, it's hard for me to believe in. You could, you could probably convince me a little bit further, you know, with some further uh, statistics and examples. But I don't know. I, I think the Bucks are better with Giannis. That's, that's my opinion. I don't yeah. think many will argue with that. That's the, I mean, I think it's an interesting theory. I think – I don't know, man. Uh, certain games, yeah, I think a seven-game series in the finals, I, if – I'm going with Phoenix if, if that happens. I don't know. I think it's just a different energy and attitude and game at that point. I'm disappointed. Thoughts. I'm disappointed that you didn't bring up Keith Van Horn Ewing theory of the Utah Utes back in 1998, Hagen. If you're, if you're really going to be a Utah fan, you've got to know. I mean, him, him leaving the Utes and then they get to the, the title game the next year. I mean. They didn't win it, though. They still lost to Kentucky. <laughs> You know, so I don't know. I, I, Peyton Manning, another one. Peyton Manning left Tennessee next year. They go and beat Florida in the national championship. You know, maybe I was too young to, to really have these examples. Maybe, maybe if I have a newer example, I'll be able to, to hit it up. <laughs> there are newer examples. There aren't any. They're just, it's, it's a, it was a 1990s theory. That's why we didn't read about it in our, in our textbooks. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's a good theory, uh, and, and it's great to talk about. And uh, speaking of this Patrick Ewing theory and potentially the Bucks going better, um, I have just a couple more questions before we go out. Uh, who do you think will win this uh, this series, and who do you win will be crowned NBA championship, or who do you think will be crowned NBA champion this year? And we will start with Scooter. Oh. No, I need a second, I think. Okay, we'll start. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll go. I'll just go. 
I I feel like the the Bucks finally get it done this year, and I feel like they win it in seven. Is is this the first year they've made it to the finals since like 1971 with Kareem? So I think they said 74, and this oh. will be the first. I, can I can I pose a question? Are we done talking about the the finals after this? Yeah, we'll be done talking the finals after no. this. I just want to pose. Uh, yeah, well, okay, I'll, I'll pose it afterwards. It's okay, quick, it's a quick one. Tanner, let's hear your, let's hear your prediction. Um, shoot, it, I think it's going to be a seven-game series. I mean, I really hope it, it is because I think both – oh, man. Um, I think the Suns are going to win in seven, and wow. it's because I think Booker is going to rise to the challenge, and I think Chris Paul is going to ensure that it happens. Okay, I love it. I have the Suns in six. I think not only is Chris Paul going to ensure it happens, but I think um, Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA play in Chris Paul's face so he can get an NBA championship. And and I love Chris Paul. I know a lot of people in Utah don't like Chris Paul for whatever reason. I I love Chris Paul. Because he's kind of a baby, but I've loved him from the first podcast we had about the NBA season here. I I had the Suns being a surprise team, you know, because I loved Chris Paul. Um, So I have the Suns in six, and I think there's going to be some magic that happens because Chris Paul's on the Suns. My hot take is the the Bucks signed Patrick Beverly just to torture Chris Paul for the next (laughs) next two two games. We would love to see no, I don't know if there's anyone who would love to see that. Even as someone who doesn't like Chris Paul, I would not like to see it. Well, well, Scott, what's your what's your question that you had for us that you wanted to pose? Okay, I'm sorry. I just wanted to, just because I mean Tan's got his he's got his Rob Lowe NBA <laughs> shirt on. Obviously, he's clearly like this is a new era of what we're seeing in the finals this year. I wanted to gauge your excitement on a scale of one to ten of of how excited you are for this finals matchup. Both of you. I'll start. Ahead, yeah, I'll start. I, I would say like a – I would probably say like a seven, and it's mostly just because of the storylines behind it. I was hoping the Jazz would be like I think both – all three of us were. Um, but I, I, I would say a seven because of the storyline behind either Chris Paul winning one or the Bucks behind a foreign player, Giannis, going back and winning one for the first time in 36 years, you know. So and that's, that's how I sit yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm a I'm a straight up nine out of ten on this one. Um, ten out of ten would have been if it, the Jazz were in the finals. Um, that was a little sour. But honestly, other than that, like I, the Suns are like the Jazz, man. Like, let's get some new teams in here that have never won a championship before. Let's get them a little gold tag and number on the back of those jerseys too. So you know, like. This is so fresh and so new that I think it's incredibly exciting. And to Hagen's point as well, you've got the Hall of Fame talent in, in Chris Paul and, and Giannis that are long overdue for their time to kind of shine. And one of them's guaranteed to have it this year, which I think is, is fantastic. Love to see it. Two teams that have been in the finals in forever, um, a team that hasn't won it in forever and a team that's never won it i think this is exactly what you want um so i'm i'm extremely excited for it i i i'm glad and i kind of figured both of you would have 
the perspective there are unfortunately people out there who are apparently not excited at all about it I I feel like um I I would have been lukewarm to the series coming in if if Giannis was not going to be able to go at all it wouldn't have felt authentic I feel from a jazz fan standpoint it is kind of like it's kind of like that that Spongebob meme where Squidward's looking through the window at at Patrick (laughs) Patrick and Spongebob out playing like the jazz are definitely and, and jazz fans are definitely Squidward in that situation longing to be there like it felt like that should have been the Suns are kind of living out their dream this year um I I feel like I would it's exciting to, to think that either either of these teams I would be very happy to watch win the championship which doesn't happen in professional sports very often it, it usually feels like there's a villain I don't feel like we have a villain um Either way, so I, I'd say I I would go. I was gonna go with Tanner, probably a nine for me. No, those just those are great. A, a, not not quite a ten, just because I feel like I'm I'm an NBA fan, but I feel like the NBA has been going on for a full year now. For somehow, I feel like the <laughs> bubble was connected. I feel like I've like been watching the NBA for a full straight year. So anyway, I that's how I feel. Maybe maybe on a different year, I'd be more excited. I'm excited that LeBron nor KD, no, nor Curry are in the playoffs like Tanner pointed out. It's so awesome to see Giannis or Chris Paul, but I don't know. Maybe on a different year, I'd be even more ecstatic than a seven, you know, but I don't know. Uh, well, we, we have just a couple of minutes left at, uh, to close. Let's, let's go into closing remarks. And I was wondering if you guys had any closing remarks, anything you wanted to talk about. Scott, we'll start with you. Shout out my boy, Joey Chestnut, the 14-time winner, making me some money on DraftKings today. I had the over. He came through for me, set a new world record, 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Just doing doing what thing, doing what things that can't be done by anybody else. Now has the sole right to the most titles of any athlete. He's, he's beat out Rafa Nadal at the French Open, who has 13 titles there. Joey's got 14. In a single Nathan's hot dog. Yes, in a single event. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, some are saying he now has double of what Tom Brady has Super Bowl. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. You but but the, real, the real thing is he made me $5 today. It felt great. $5. <laughs> yeah, big, big money. Big money I was sharing. Tan, how about you? Do you have any closing remarks you want to talk about here before you say uh, goodbye to the listeners? Yeah, I'd like to, you know, shout out Nathan's Hot Dogs for making all of this possible as well for Joey Chestnut. I mean, without them, we have no Joey Chestnut and we wouldn't be able to witness this level of greatness. Um, no, but uh, dang, there was actually something <laughs> I was going to say. That I what it was. Well, it's the 4th of July, baby. You got you to be hot- great. Oh, it was... Um, Golf, man. Golf lately. The last two weekends um, in professional golf with these multi-hole playoffs and uh, with most of the contenders in these being young, up-and-coming, like 21, 22-year-old guys. Like, if y'all, if, if people aren't watching golf right now, go watch some golf because golf is insane right now. So shout out to the PGA and the, the young players that are there. They're, they're insane. Golf is extremely exciting. I thought my, one of my boys, I like a lot of these foreign guys, Joaquin Neiman, I thought he was going to get the win today. He ended up losing on the first playoff hole. You know, I felt bad. But golf is exciting. Mm. Man. I, I love that take. And, and my closing remark was, along with golf, we have a huge event coming up in golf this week. This Tuesday, 
at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is the match. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, DeChambeau, and Phil Mickelson. This is going to be a legendary event. It's going to be so fun to watch. I'm excited. I, I know you're I know you're cutting us off, Hey, because you don't want me to, to rail on Bryson about his uh, latest drama this week. I know that's why you're you're trying you're itching to get out of here before I go at him. I, I won't let you go at Bryson. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, it but, but if Bryson was playing with Tom, I'd have him as the winner this week. But I have Phil and Tom beating Bryson and Aaron. So that's that's where I stand with this. I just want to know why they did it on a Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Yeah, during work. <laughs> what is that about? We're all adults now. I don't you got to get on that work. You got to get on the work from home grind, apparently, Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to my employer. Yeah. <laughs> Do that. Do that for sure. Talk to your employer. But thank you guys so much for joining. I hope you all have a great week and a great week for our listeners. We'll catch you next time on The Bonner Show. Thank you, guys. See you guys. We outie. Say